Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Eric McMahon. The Michigan men's basketball team stopped its losing streak in emphatic fashion while the women continue to roll. Plus, some news with the football program and a hockey update as well. All that and more on Wolverine Confidential. All right, guys, good to be back talking with you early afternoon here on Wednesday, January 19th, coming on the heels of last night's men's basketball win over Maryland. I mean, it was it was just what the the doctor ordered. Uh, in some cases, literally a doc what a doctor ordered for Michigan basketball, which that's a reference to Hunter Dickinson returning, you know, after missing the last game due to a COVID positive test. Michigan wins 83 to 64. So many things to like in this game. Uh, we'll start with Dickinson, 21 points, six rebounds, six assists, you know, just dominated inside, hit a three, and then just, you know, opened up the floor for others. You know, Maryland chose to double team him, which, you know, a lot of teams did not do last year because of all of Michigan shooters. I, I kind of get the sentiment this year, but of course, Michigan breaks out and, and makes them pay. And that's kind of the second piece. Caleb Houston, six of seven from the floor, hits three, three pointers. You know, he was two of 21 uh, in his last five games before that. So that was huge for him. The defense was good from the very start. Little lapse in the second half, but overall strong. And yeah, Michigan get, gets a win to end a, a three-game losing streak. The major caveat, it was Maryland. Maryland falls to one and six in the Big Ten. I don't know if, you know, you guys watch much of the game, but I mean, that's kind of what what they've been for a good chunk of the season. They've they, They've got a nice neutral floor win over Florida. They beat Northwestern on the road in, in double overtime. That's another, you know, Big Ten kind of basement team. You know, that's their only Big Ten win. So this is this is not an NCAA tournament team by any stretch. Their team whose coach abandoned them, you know, after a few weeks. Yeah, so that is a caveat. But, like, still, Michigan had to do certain things, you know, make, make it tough for them to score and actually make their shots that they had not done in previous games. I, uh, I tuned in hoping to see the latest tete-a-tete between Juwan Howard and Mark Turgeon. And then I remembered <laughs> that he was no longer on the on the bench. So I kind of was disappointed. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I, I tweeted that right away. As soon as Turgeon stepped down, I was like, gosh darn it, we've lost that storyline. I was looking forward to it. it. It is still kind of weird to see like the Maryland team just look so discombobulated and just disorganized out there. And it's weird because you're used to seeing them being at the close to the top of the Big Ten and, and then suitably turning every year. And then Michigan, they come in with a, a terrible record and Michigan absolutely whoops them last night. It was a, uh, it was good for Michigan, but yeah, kind of shocking to see how far Maryland has fallen in such a short time. Yeah. So now, you know, Michigan will try to build on it. It'll start here now on the road at Indiana on Sunday, you know, Michigan's going to have to steal some road games. I already got one at, at Nebraska, but you know, losing, losing at home to Minnesota, you know, put them behind that as far as trying to protect your home court. You know, Indiana is one of the better Big Ten teams as far as, you know, their net ranking or whatever. They're four and three uh, overall in the Big Ten. But I don't know that it's a winnable game for Michigan, who then gets Northwestern at home after that. Like you can start to see, all right, maybe they can build, you know, and have a little momentum going into that game at Michigan State. And then Nebraska at home after that, like it could be a, a, a good, you know, stretch for Michigan here if they could start just <laughs> playing better as, as Phil Martelli said, like, you know, they played hard against Illinois, but playing hard when the other team says you play hard, Martelli said that pretty much what they're saying is it's a euphemism for, well, that's because you didn't really play well enough in the basketball sense, but Hey, you fought hard. And, you know, Martelli's like that, that's non-negotiable. We have to be better at like the skill parts of basketball. So. 
we'll see if uh, if they can keep it up. You know, the women certainly did. I mean, that that win at Maryland on uh, on Sunday, 69-49, in many ways is like one of the biggest wins in program history, I think. I mean, I'd still say, you know, beating Tennessee last year in the NCAA tournament to go to the Sweet 16 is bigger. But, you know, as far as taking down a team that, you know, had been on top of the Big Ten um, and is good again this year, in such dominant fashion was incredibly uh, impressive. I think it sent a message to the, to the rest of the Big Ten um, that Michigan might be the the favorite in this league. Maddie Nolan makes seven threes. You know, Nas Hillman was just like merely good, but just the team effort. We've talked about the depth on this team compared to the past. And, you know, I mean, just some of the some of the stats ESPN was pointing out at the end, you know, were pretty impressive. And Maryland fails to get to 50 points for the first time since 2012. Uh, it's their worst home loss since 2011. I mean, it was just a lot of a lot of things that uh, point out what an important and impressive win this was for the Michigan women. I know it's different teams for from last year, but didn't the women get beat pretty bad by Maryland uh, once or twice last year? Oh, yeah, they've they've yeah. struggled with them overall. They've only beaten them once. Uh, you know, it was at home uh, a few years ago. You know, turnovers have always been a huge problem for them. So, yeah, I mean, both teams brought brought a fair amount back. And, uh, you know, Maryland had the tough experience of, you know, their head coach, uh, you know, lost her dad that day. So, like, who knows how that weighed on on her or the team. But still, I mean, I think it shows, you know, how how different of a team this is. You know, they're bringing Amy Dilk off the bench now. It's a very nice luxury to have, a, you know, a senior with so much experience, um, you know, in the backcourt off the bench. They're really just kind of figuring out their roles. They're a veteran team. They're a deep team. They're a balanced team. It's not just Nas Hillman. Like, Nas Hillman scored 50 points in a game last year, and they lost. It's a lot <laughs> different this year. So, very impressive win for them. Uh, and they return home tomorrow night, Thursday, against Wisconsin, a team they already beat in their Big Ten opener on the road. So, yeah, they'll try to... Keep building on their momentum back back to number eight in the country now. But yeah, we've got we've got some other other sports to talk about too. Starting with football, like things have happened. Maybe not on the Jim Harbaugh front, uh, although let's just still give our update there. But you know, as far as the you know, transfers and commitments and coaching change, there's there's been some news happening in this program. Tell me, uh, tell me where you want to start here. Yeah, I guess uh, Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh, is still the head coach at the University of Michigan. Last check. He's still in the building at Shen Beckler. In fact, he was at the hockey game on Saturday night. I, I saw him up close and personal. Uh, he was there with a couple of recruits and the rest of the Michigan coaching staff. Well, a bulk of the Michigan coaching staff, Josh Gass, Mike Hart, Mike McDonald was there, Ron Bellamy, giving a lot of uh, recruits tours and the like. They took in the hockey game. They come from buying win for the Wolverines. Uh, my first Michigan hockey game, too, as well, in person. So it was a lot of fun. He was there. Seemed to be in good spirits. He has a mask off much of the time, talking to recruits' parents, eating popcorn. He had coffee or, or soda in his hand. Uh, seemed like, like he was having a good time. Nothing much has changed on that front, as far as we're aware of. You know, reports continue to come out that Las Vegas remains in play. And I, I suspect we're going to know more here in the next couple of days. It sounds like the Raiders are interviewing interim coach uh, Rich Basaccia today. They have interviewed, I think, other candidates. So we'll see here in the next, I'd say, 48, 72 hours if there's any legitimate smoke to the Harbaugh to Las Vegas rumors. Other than that, he has made a hire on the staffing front. They filled the vacancy from Sean Nua with Mike Elston, veteran defensive line coach. He was with Brian Kelly for a very long time, You know, going back to Kelly's days at Central Michigan in 2004. Elston did not go with Kelly to LSU, which I thought was rather fascinating. I uh, decided to stay back at Notre Dame. 
he was on the staff, you know, that Marcus Freeman was going to bring back and he decided, well, I'm going to go to Michigan instead. That move has been made official now. He is the defensive line coach. He has taken over. So yeah, uh, staffing hire there. And then they recently, I wrote about today and I'm live, um, they recently hired a new analyst as well. Offensive coordinator at Old Dominion is expected to kind of fill the roles held by Steve Casula's name is Kurt Campbell, a former analyst at Penn State. He's coached with Josh Gaddis in the past, so it sounds like Gaddis has got another, uh, another staffer to help him out as well. Sounds like Michigan finally found that missing piece to take them over the top and into the national championship conversation now. <laughs> to, to be <laughs> fair, <laughs> Josh Gaddis did say that, you know, he called Steve Casula's right-hand man. You know, the analysts are very under, underappreciated. On. They don't, yeah, underappreciated is probably a good way to put it. They don't, you know, we don't, we don't talk to them much. Uh, Michigan staff is full of them. They've got in any given year, anywhere between like four to eight of them. They do a lot of the stuff behind the scenes, game planning and, and everything else. So they're they're kind of the the shadow coaching staff, if you could, if you to kind of explain it. And yeah, going to, to Elson real quick. I mean, it sounds like that's a pretty solid hire for them. Obviously, again, a Michigan guy and a guy that has a, a long track record on the recruiting trail, which is always important for for Michigan. Yeah, I mean, veteran guy, like you said, he played at Michigan in the '90s. He knows what he's doing. He's coached at this this level for a long time now. Pretty easy move. I, I know there were some folks that thought maybe Michigan would, would maybe went another different direction there with the defensive line coach. But I, I think for my best case scenario, I, I think Mike Elson's probably the you know the the guy. I mean, I don't think you can upgrade much higher than him. He's been doing it a long time. Go back. He, he's put about eight to nine guys in the NFL from Notre Dame, whether it was a linebacker, or defensive line. He's had a lot of success. He's well liked. He seems like a likable dude. You know, I, I think it's certainly the hire certainly signals that Jim Harbaugh is planning to return to Michigan, but I don't necessarily think that's an automatic either. You know, keep in mind Jim Harbaugh is still under contract. He still is the head coach at Michigan, and you've got to operate as business as usual. And business as usual to me is, is filling out your staff and moving forward as if he's going to be here next year. Now, was something said between Jim and Mike for Mike signed on the dotted line? Possibly. Uh, I'm really curious to see the contract when we get it back here in the next week or two, what the, the language is from a buyout perspective and everything else. But, you know, Jim Harbaugh is certainly, it's another indication Jim Harbaugh is operating uh, you know, as if he's going to be back next year. I agree with you 100% on that. I mean, to me, that is a sign that Harbaugh is staying. And, and the reason that no announcement has been made about that yet is, you know, contract renegotiation is happening. I mean, that's no, I don't have a source on that. That's just my hunch is that that's what's going on. Because it's a veteran coach like that. You wouldn't think he'd make the move if if the head coach wasn't in place. Now, as far as the Raiders, if they end up going in a different direction, keeping the interim guy, hiring someone else, you know, from that's already in the NFL, does that then close the door on Harbaugh to the NFL, or there's still is there still another option or two out there? I mean, there's been there's been smoke out there with with uh, the Giants. There's been smoke out there with the Bears. Everyone seems to be pointing to Las Vegas. I guess that makes it's the kind of the like, the obvious choice at this mm-hmm. point. But Jimmy, never, never say never, because I have to think if, if the Raiders are interested, there's probably another franchise or two out there, you know, re- willing to kick the tires on him. You know, the, the coaching carousel is probably going to go on here for the next week or two. These NFL teams do tend to prefer to, to work quickly, but I, I would say, you know, give it probably by the end of the month. We'll know for sure whether Jim is, is going to be back or not. Perhaps Michigan announces an, ex- an extension sooner. You, know, you mentioned that possibility. I suspect it's going to happen. You know, Ward Manuel, Michigan's athletic director, was asked about that very possibility. You know, in, in the lead up to the Orange Bowl, he did an interview with 97 won the ticket in Detroit. You know, he was asked about that very possibility. And, and just like J- Ward says every year, 
him and Jim sit down at the conclusion of the year to determine, you know, a, you know, kind of review what, you know, everything that happened, the, you know, successes, the failures and everything else. And then they look forward to the next year. I have to think that discussion certainly included, a, you know, either a contract extension or a, and, or a, you know, significant pay bump. You mentioned the Raiders, Andrew, and I think that's the one franchise that actually, you know that there is mutual interest there. It seems like the Raiders and Al Davis really wants Harbaugh, too. I don't get the sense from from the organizations that that Harbaugh is at the top of their list. I guess you you don't really know, but it it seems like Harbaugh is is a top target for the Raiders, maybe not so much for some of these other franchises. But yeah, like like. Aaron says, unless you're Jim Harbaugh, you don't really know. But I, I would think that would all but close the door if, if the Raiders end up going in a different direction here in the next few days. Remember, too, a lot of these NFL teams are currently doing interviews with prospective candidates. A lot, And a lot of this stuff is, you know, is put out there. Teams will announce, hey, we've we've interviewed this candidate. You know, we have completed an interview with this guy. And, and that tends to be with NFL guys, but with college, you know, coaches, it's a little bit different. There's no one to ask, you don't have to ask a school for permission to interview someone. And not only that, but Jim's very, if you kind of take him for what he's worth, and he's, he's very awkward. Like if you remember his move <laughs> from, from the 49ers to Michigan, everyone thought it was going to happen, but they weren't sure. There was a lot of smoke and then it just happened. So it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, Jim, Jim probably doesn't want to go through the quote unquote interview process. I have to think he's, if he is in fact interested in going to the Raiders, it's a, hey, can Take me or leave me thing. I don't want to drag this thing out. Let's get this done. That's why I keep saying, I think this is going to, this is going to wrap up pretty quickly. We're going to know within probably next three or four days, which direction the Raiders are going to go. And if it goes to Jim Harbaugh, it's going to happen like that overnight. Jim Harbaugh does not have an agent. I mean, that's part of the reason it kind of cuts out the middleman and another person who could potentially be leaking things. Uh, You know, he's got a lawyer and, you know, someone who can handle the contract language. But as far as no one is negotiating on his behalf, as far as we know. So that's something to uh, consider here. That is accurate. And something folks like don't realize or forget or whatever the case may be. And and in these situations where, you know, reports are coming out and drips and drabs and leaks are coming out, you're right. And that's one of the reasons why I think there's a lot of all, there's a lot of times a lot of misinformation or incorrect info about Jim Harbaugh because no one really seems to know. And I think we've said this in previous weeks, but I I think the only person that really knows what Jim Harbaugh is going to do is is Jim Harbaugh. You know, maybe he talks to his father about it. Maybe he talks to his brother and his wife, but other than that, there is his inner circle isn't isn't very big. All right. So, yeah, we've got but there is other news, you know, with this program as far as uh, players as well. Ryan, what's the latest? Recruiting does not stop. <laughs> Even with all the hardball rumors, Michigan was able to pick up a commitment who visited this past weekend. Andrew Rappel, yay, four star tight end from Milton Academy. Uh, St. School is Kalel Mullings in the 2020 class, I believe. Ranked number 332 overall in the country, according to the 24-7 Sports Composite. Missions recruit a lot of tight ends here, and obviously everyone's coming back from, from this past year, but by the time Rappelier gets there, there could be some, some openings. So it, it sounds like a, a pretty good get for, for Michigan here, six foot four, 215 pounds. So, yeah, he's the, he was the fifth commit in the 2023 class for the Wolverines for <laughs> a few hours. And then uh, Michigan ended up losing one as well. A four-star tight end, Joel Starlings. Um, he posted on his Twitter account saying that he's reopening his recruitment, studying the position change at his position, obviously referring to coach Sean Nua leaving for USC. So Michigan gains one in the 2023 class and loses one in the same day. But still, overall, a pretty solid start for, for Michigan in the 2023 20, class with with four guys and, and three of them ranked in the top 350 nationally. So pretty solid. 
and keep in mind, two, two of Michigan's better recruiters, and you could probably make the case best recruiters, Sharon Moore and Jay Harbaugh, are either, have either coached the position or are coaching the position right now. So Mich- Michigan's really loaded at tight end. They've, they've recruited that position relatively well the last couple of years. It's going to continue. And if you look at what they have coming back next year, I mean, Michigan could arguably have one of the better tight end rooms in, in the country. You know, they get Eric Hall back, Luke, Luke Schoonmacher's coming back. Don't be surprised if they lean on the tight ends quite a bit next year, which falls in line with how Jim Marble has been kind of operating the offense the last you know 12 months or so. You wonder if those guys coming back might signal a, a possible transfer to from that position because I, I don't think we expected at least Stumacher to be back and Eric Hall was one of those guys that was kind of on the fence. But with both of those guys coming back, I mean, there's there's not really a path for some of these younger guys, whether it's Louis Hansen or uh, Matthew Hibner or some of these underclassmen that, that we're probably hoping to get on the field. We'll see what happens there because, yeah, it is a very crowded tight end room like we alluded to. Let me add Carter the Sheriff Selzer to that list as well. He's coming back for his sixth year. I was wondering when you were going to jump in there with that. His father confirmed (laughs) it to me. He said he loves the place, loves the people, and they wouldn't have expected a sixth year, but here they are. So he he (laughs) is back. And so is Jake Moody. Jake Moody, the kicker. Now, this will be just the fifth year for him. He didn't redshirt, right? Not a sixth year. But still, um, I mean, that is a pleasant surprise and what a luxury to have a, a player like that back. Yeah, I was kind of surprised too. And I know when I kind of did my rundown a few weeks ago, the guys that were more likely to come back or go to the NFL draft, I had Moody high up there and guys that I thought would go. But when you look at his body of work and his time here, I guess it's not a shocker. I mean, keep in mind, up until this year, he was largely sharing kicking duties with with right. Gwen Nordeen. So he isn't, that, I guess the the sample size isn't as big as you would expect for a, you know experienced kicker like him. Now, if you look at his numbers, his numbers this year at least, he was perfect for, in, on field goals under 40 yards, four of six from, for field goals over 40 yards. So I suspect someone you know at the, at the pro level probably put the bug in his ear saying, hey, we want to see you more consistent from deep range. Because at the NFL, that that's really what matters. So I guess it's not a shock. Um, it's certainly good for Michigan. I mean, not only do they get Jake Moody back, but they get you know punter Brad Robbins back. They get their their holder William Wagner back, long snapper William Wagner back. Michigan should be very good at, from a, a special teams perspective next year. But yeah, it was a bit of a surprise. But the same token, he's got another year of eligibility, as do a lot of these guys that have opted to come back, and he's he's taking you know full advantage of it. Yeah, those specialists, they don't age like running backs. I mean, I'm not saying go out, get your money now because, you know, the clock is ticking. I don't think it really changes anything for him too much, but it's still a surprise. I would think he could, both of those guys could be potential, you know, NFL players uh, next year and instead opting to come back. And I think it speaks, you know, to the, to the culture in this program. They, they they like being here and, you know, they like certainly winning. And um, yeah, that's, that's those are those are pluses to to stick around. All right, yeah. What uh, what else uh, do we have there? Uh, anything on the football front, or are we ready to kind of move to hockey? It's all I got. I will say the NFL draft declaration date has come and gone. It was Monday for okay. any underclassmen who wanted to officially declare. We haven't gotten any additional names. I thought maybe Ryan Hayes was named to watch. He apparently is coming back. I guess it's probably a good thing too for Michigan's offensive line. So we we pretty much sat on the on the guys that are leaving for the draft, and we've kind of gone over them in the pre, in previous weeks, and we'll probably do a whole you know draft preview episode here in the next you know next couple of weeks or whatever the case may be. But yeah, uh, Michigan in terms of guys leaving for the draft is pretty much over. And there's uh, there's obviously always transfer portal um, you know stuff to, to look out for. 
some one of the one of these days, next couple of days, I'm going to down look at the you know the scholarship count because I think they're over by a few. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see some additional um, you know departures here in the next weeks and months to come. Let's talk some puck. Let's talk puck. Let's talk some puck. Classic before- <laughs> uh, closing of the episode <laughs> yeah. with hockey. And before I get into it, I mean, I've uh, Michigan swept Penn State over the weekend, including a four to three victory on Saturday. And Aaron McMahon was there, so I wanted to get noted <laughs> hockey expert McMahon's thoughts on on the game of four to three come from behind victory for the Wolverines. It was impressive. It was my first. Yeah, first college hockey game because I went to Central Michigan. They don't play hockey, so you know I'm a team a game to go to. I was impressed with the environment, like Yost Arena. You like I've walked by it probably hundreds and hundreds of times, but actually never been inside it. I was impressed from, from, from a facility perspective. It was a lot of fun. You're like right on top of the action. Student section was like a lot of fun. We actually sat kind of next to them a little bit, so we get you heard everything and the band and everything else. I was impressed. That was a fun atmosphere. Coupled with the come from behind win, I think they went up one nothing. Gave up, was it three straight goals, Ryan, or two straight goals? Three straight, and then, yeah, and then, and then scored they, three straight, and they scored three straight to win. So it was it was a fun game back and forth. It was a uh, it was it was cool. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like the first two periods, uh, that I thought that was possibly maybe Michigan's worst periods of, of the season. Like they just they were sluggish, couldn't really generate much offense, and they were given given up a lot of scoring opportunities too. I mean, they allowed thirty one shots through the first two periods. Uh, they was lucky it was only three to two at the end of the second period. Uh, Michigan fell behind three to one, then went on the power play, allowed a shorthanded breakaway, and Eric Portillo came up with a huge save on the breakaway. Then Michigan comes back down, scores in the final like 75 seconds of the second period, gets momentum heading into the third, and was able to, to store a couple in the third period to, to win. But yeah, not a great start, but a, a strong finish for Michigan as they win their fourth straight up to third nationally in the U.S. College Hockey Online rankings. So, yeah, I mean, they're they're rolling right now and have a huge series against Minnesota this weekend. Both teams that are going to have a few uh, Olympic participants leave here in the next couple of weeks. So they're, they're going to be at full strength. And there's these are six crucial points on the line in the Big Ten as, as Michigan holds first place right now. But, but Ohio State and Minnesota are knocking on the doorstep as well. We've talked a lot about how this team is young, but like super talented. And I thought that game is probably a perfect encapsulation of like how good they can be and how like how, how, like the lapses they can do. Because I remember you mentioned the you know them getting out shot. I remember turning to my fiance next to me at, like during the middle of the second period. And I'm like they're getting out shot by like a two to one margin. Like that isn't very good, obviously. And then they obviously were able to turn it around with the you know all the talent they have and everything else. But it was it was a fun game. They uh, they're a good team. Obviously, they got to put it together for a full you know sixty minutes. But yeah, it was it was cool. You know the women's gymnastics team, defending national champs. They're number one again. They've started their season with a couple of of wins. Uh, the wrestling program is ranked number three in the country, and they play number one ranked Penn State at home on Friday at Chrysler. There's a lot of buzz around this athletic department just because you know the men's basketball team is struggling. Uh, doesn't mean that all these winter sports programs are, and it's just. I don't like the football school, basketball school debate, or I guess I do kind of like it, because, but not for the reason that some other people do, where they just declare it one or the other. <laughs> but it is funny. It is funny to me how much you know football can carry like, carry a fan through a long cold winter. Uh, you know, talking with like an usher yesterday at, at Chrysler. You know, just talking about the the men's team struggles and stuff like that, and then just kind of out of nowhere, he's like. Ah, but I'm just so happy we beat Ohio State this year. Like you know, like that <laughs> that win will just will just carry you for for a long time. So yeah, I mean, I think that that is 
but that that win didn't like uh, galvanize this athletic department. It kind of is, you know, just representative of kind of what some of these other teams have been doing. And always glad to to highlight them on this podcast. And it's crazy that the softball and baseball is going to be starting shortly again too. It's always crazy when they start in like February. It's insane to me, but yeah, it's right around the corner. <laughs> Yes, our, our coverage of them will be from, from afar for a little while as they head down south. But uh, once they return, we'll, we'll have some, some in-person coverage, I'm sure. Either way, stay tuned for continued coverage of all things Michigan Athletics on MLive.com slash Wolverines. Thank you for listening.